Friends, last Sunday we heard the story of Mary Magdalene. She was the first person, as far as we know, who actually witnessed the risen Jesus. And she was the first person commissioned to tell others about Jesus. Some people say, oh, I can't believe this, this thing that Jesus rose from the dead. Well, when you go to the New Testament documents, there are at least 11 separate occasions where Jesus appears to people. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, he even appeared to more than 500 people at a time. Most, uh, some have fallen asleep, but most are still alive. In other words, if you don't believe me what I'm writing, you can actually go over to Galilee and find these people and talk to them face to face. 500 witnesses, 11 separate occasions. Today in John chapter 20, we're going to read of two of those appearances on consecutive Sundays. And it's from uh, this reading that we get the uh, term Doubting Thomas. It's a cracking good story and Paul's going to preach on this a bit later. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Shalom Lakar, peace be with you. After he'd said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, which is twin, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus told them, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Praise God. Amen. Pastor Paul, please come and share God's word with us. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. 
Rolly's read the text, and it is a great text. It's one of my favourites. Um, do you people know about golf? Anyone plays golf? Or has played? Um, a few. Okay, a few. I love golf. Um, Rolly was asking, what am I doing in my retirement? Well, golf is one of the things that I'm doing. Um, my godchild, his name is Joshua, he's a pastor now. When he was four, year old, four years old, he found out that I was a pastor, and his response was, Uncle Paul's not a pastor, he's a golfer. <laughs> Every now and again, golf doesn't go so good. I'm not a bad golfer, I'm a reasonable golfer. Um, but I was having a bit of a bad trot, and I came to the 15th hole at the Mount Barker Golf Course, and there's a little dam in front of the tee. This is no effect, um, you hit over it. But at that stage, I wasn't quite right with my swing. It just didn't feel right. And I completely duffed the ball and it went into the dam. My three playing partners fell about laughing that someone of my ability would play such a shocking shot. What was it? Was my swing off? It was because I didn't have confidence. Because at that particular time, I was doubting my golf swing. And that was the effect. I hit this terrible shot. Anyone else had doubt? Ever gone through times of doubt? Um, I'd like you just to think about now, if you like you can talk about this with someone else, but you don't have to. You just, I want you to think about a time in your life where you've experienced doubt of whatever sort and what effect that had on you. Give me a minute just to think about that. I'm assuming that you can all think of a time in your life where some sort of doubt has been there. It's a normal human experience. But it can have a huge effect on us, can't it? It can really affect the way we are. And in fact, it can become quite debilitating. It can stop us doing what we want to do when it starts to take over. And that's also true when we have doubts about our faith as well. And that, I think, can be even worse. Because if I've got doubt about, doubt about my faith, who can I tell? Because I'm supposed to have faith. It can be hard to express to someone else, I'm really having doubts about this. And that can be really, really, really difficult. The text today, Jesus has risen from the dead. They have heard that Jesus is risen from the dead. What are the disciples doing? Hiding in a locked room. We talk about the victory and the joy of Easter. And that is true. We celebrate that. But sometimes perhaps we forget that maybe back at the first resurrection, the first time that happened, there wasn't so much victory and joy as there was a bit of fear and, dare I say it, doubt. Where were the disciples? Locked in a room scared. And Jesus appears to them. Except Thomas wasn't there. The beautiful thing is Jesus comes in and says, peace be with you. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. So Jesus appears to the disciples and then Thomas comes and hears about this. They say, we've seen Jesus. And Thomas' response is, nah. No, 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 no. No, you're seeing things. Mass hallucination. 
that's not true. And they say, yes, it is, yes, it is. I need to put my fingers into his hands and my, side, my hand into his side to prove that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Um, part of the reason I love this story is that if I was back there, I would have been Thomas. That would have been my exact reaction as well. The focus, oh, by the way, the last verse in Mark's Gospel. Do you know what that is? It happens, the, the Mark's Gospel finishes with the resurrection of Jesus. And this is the last verse of Mark's Gospel. They fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. They said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. That first Easter event was awe-inspiring and frightening as well. Because how would you expect that to happen? What is the focus of this story of Doubting Thomas? Which is probably unfair to call it the story of Doubting Thomas because the others were doubting as well. What's the focus of it? The focus of it is verse 29, which Rowley pointed out. How much more blessing for those who do not see and yet believe, which we had quoted before as well. Um, how much more blessing is for those who do not see and yet believe. That verse is written for us, about us and for us, for those of us who don't have the privilege of a man experience in the flesh, that resurrection of, of Jesus. But today, I want to focus on the actions of Jesus. What he did and what he said and what that says to us. So first, let's say what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying that we need to experience things to be able to believe. Because he goes on to say exactly that in that verse that I talked about, verse 29. Blessed are those who don't see and yet have faith. And he is not saying the opposite either. He's not saying that faith is not true faith if it, if it has to have experience and needs to have something to be there. Because when Jesus goes up to Thomas, what does he do? He says, here are my hands. Here is my side. Put your fingers in there if you need to. He does exactly what Thomas demanded that he do. So what is Jesus saying in that verse? For me, in the whole event, sorry, for me, two things stand out. Firstly, those words, peace be with you. And he says that both times, to the disciples the first week and then to Thomas as well. Peace be with you. He doesn't come back the second week and say, peace be with you apart from you, Thomas, because you don't believe in me. In fact, the opposite, because Jesus goes right up to Thomas. He shows him his hands and his side. He goes up to him, not angry, but understanding and accepting of Thomas. Because Jesus understands doubt. It's the same feeling that he went through in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was praying to his father, asking him to take away this cup, the doubt of what was going to happen to him. He understands what Thomas was feeling. And he understands us as well when we go through those periods of doubt and uncertainty. 
When I asked you before to think about a doubt that you had, I'd be interested to have got in your mind and see what different things came up. Because doubts can hit us at all parts of our life. Sure, it can be part to do with our faith, but it can also be um, uncertainty about life, about my future, even about myself as a person. At those times when we're going through those periods of doubt, know that God is with you, that he is there and understands you, even in those times when you question him, and even in those times where maybe for a period you leave him, in those times he is still there with you. He never questions you, nor, he ever, nor does he ever leave you. Helmut Tillicke, who was a world-renowned German theologian, was a pastor, a young pastor, in the Second World War. And he had to deal with letters from young men of his congregation whom he loved, who wrote to him and said that they didn't know what to do. With all the horrors of war that they were facing, they were losing their faith. Some of them said that it was so difficult that at times they could not even remember the words of the Lord's Prayer with what they were confronting. How was a young pastor to deal with that? Tielica anguished over it for a while, and then he answered them. He wrote back, and he comforted them with this beautiful thought, that even in the circumstances they were facing, even if they at that time let go of God's hand, God never let go of them. And in fact, hell was holding them even more tightly because that's what they needed. I think it was Martin Luther that said this, I'm not exactly sure. But there's something I have a memory of, and I thought it was Luther who said that at those times in life that he goes through really difficult times and he gets to the end of the rope, or he does at that particular point, all he can do is tie a knot in the rope and hold on for dear life, praying that God is there with him. And that's something that we have. That is a promise that we have. The second thing that stands out for me in this story is Thomas's confession. My Lord and my God. That is the confession of faith. It wasn't just because he saw Jesus or was able to put his fingers in the holes in his hands because faith is more than just a statement of observation. It's something personal. Something that impacts us more than just my intellect. One of my lecturers at SEM when I was going through told the story of uh, one of his closest friends who was a Jewish theologian. And they were very close. And they had lots of discussions about faith, particularly about Jesus Christ, obviously being a Jew and a Christian. And my lecturer friend said that this man got so close to believing in Jesus Christ. He believed that Jesus Christ was a real person. He believed that the things that he said were true. He believed that he died on the cross and he believed that he rose again. But he could not quite get to the point of saying that he was God. And for my lecturer friend, that was one of the saddest things in his life, that he could not, that this person could not quite get to that point of faith. He knew all the stuff but he couldn't quite get to that point of faith. 
Faith is, in the words of Martin Luther, that this belief that I have is actually for me. Something that challenges and confronts and changes my life. Something that not only engages me intellectually, but also impacts my heart as well. A former teaching colleague um, was taking chapel one day and she made this statement. You may have heard it. It was common a number of years ago. She told the kids, I believe that if I was the only person on earth, God would still have sent Jesus to die for me so that I could be saved. When I first heard that thought, I thought, it's a bit arrogant, isn't it? thinking that if I was the only person, that God would still send Jesus. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, that's the God that I believe in. I believe that God's love is so great that if I was the only person on earth, he would still send Jesus to save me. And I believe that for each one of you as well. If you were the only person on earth, I believe that God would still send Jesus Christ to save you because he loves you. That's not a statement of arrogance. It's a statement about the depth of God's love for us. I think that the thing for Thomas was not simply the appearance of Jesus, as amazing and mind-blowing that must have been for him. It was that Jesus came to him, walked over to him and showed him his hands and his side, was willing to do what Thomas had demanded. Far from scolding Thomas, Jesus shows him love and acceptance. That is a beautiful gospel message in this story. In spite of Thomas's doubt, his virtual denial that Jesus has risen from the dead, Jesus came to him Searching him out. Not with conditions that, Jesus, uh, that uh, Thomas had to fulfill. Not in anger. But he came to him in love. Today, when we go through periods of doubt, in whatever form that doubt may be, Jesus comes to us in love. And especially in those times of significant doubt that may affect our faith, Jesus does the same. Offering himself, accepting us, encouraging us on our journey and in our faith. Remember Thomas and the way that Jesus dealt with Thomas. Going to him, acknowledging his doubt and encouraging him through it. Doubt can be debilitating, but it can also lead to great growth. In those times of doubt that you have, Embrace that doubt and confront it and allow yourself to even experience God in work in you as he enables you to work through that doubt and maybe even to grow from that experience. Amen.